this is uh, 103.1 FM. You're listening to Porter County Buzz. It's been another week since our last show, so uh, a lot has happened. And uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Greg Sims. The other co-host on the other end is Andy Bozak. And uh, I, I will introduce our guest extraordinaire this today is Lance Bella from the Emergency Management. Uh, he's Emergency Management Director uh, Porter County's EMA services, if I'm saying that correctly, Lance. That sounds good. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. And uh, today's show is sponsored by the Independent Order of Vod Fellows. We've got to get them a nice uh, shout-out. And uh, you want to get involved in the community, that's a great organization to help out and spread your wings throughout the community. But, um, but we're not here to talk about them. We're here to talk about Lance and the Emergency Management uh, Agency. Uh, Lance, what exactly does the EMA do for Porter County? Well, that's a good question that I get a lot. Uh, our mission is to assist Porter County in preparing for, responding to, and recovering from hazardous incidents and disasters. And so we do that three ways. Uh, the first part would be the preparing for part, uh, which would be we look at what preparations can we make and hopefully plan in advance if something really really bad happens so it could be something from a tornado uh, all the way to a terrorist attack on the other side of that and so what we do is try to anticipate what could happen and if it were to happen how would we help coordinate things in order to bring things back or mitigate that type of a disaster um, so we do that with the long-term planning we also will look at uh, different organizations or functions such as the Porter County Fair where we look at their emergency plans and we don't necessarily write them for everyone but we will assist them and give them advice um, in order to help their plans be better and maybe identify anything that they may be missing so that kind of takes care of the preparing for part the responding to is twofold Porter County Emergency Management Agency is comprised of two different response units, and one would be the hazardous materials team. Oh, that's is, is that part. that's Greg Eckert, Greg? It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, just bringing him up because we had him on the show once already. So. Oh, excellent. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Greg's Greg's team will respond to any type of a hazardous materials incident or spill, and they'll mitigate that from the hazardous materials end. And then on the other side of that we have another team comprised of our EMA command staff and then volunteers that if police, fire, EMS, or any other organization has an incident and they have gone beyond their capabilities and need additional resources, it could be response equipment such as a command truck, a light tower, generators, different things like that, or they may need personnel or even something maybe that we don't even have and our job is to know how to get it for them and to assist them so that they can mitigate whatever emergency they're working on. So we don't necessarily come in and take over the scene. We help them, assist them in any capacity that they would require, and then help coordinate resources for them. So that's the responding to. And then the recovering from would be if there were a large-scale incident or disaster, how do we get Porter County back to as much of normal as we could and a really good example of that was about five years ago when we had the floods in the Kankakee River we had about 1.6 million dollars worth of damage to Porter County roads and bridges 
So we worked with our engineering and stormwater department to apply for uh, FEMA reimbursement so that it did not come back out of the county's funds in order to bring those bridges and roads back to where they were. And then we also assist citizens. Now, we, we're not allowed to apply for reimbursement for them, but we will assist the citizens and tell them where they need to go, how do they get a hold of FEMA, so that they themselves can apply for relief if, if that were the case. Now, Lance, are you guys part of FEMA? Because, uh, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm picturing one of your vehicles. Doesn't it have a FEMA logo on the side? There, the large-scale command truck has Department of Homeland Security. And That's right, okay. Yeah, and and that is just, we, we received a grant years ago, the District 1, which is the five-county region, which we're a part of, received a grant, and that uh, grant came from Department of Homeland Security, and that was so that we could have a command truck that all five counties could utilize if there was a large-scale incident. And so that's where those logos come on that. Okay. That makes so sense. we're not part of FEMA, but we do work with them when, when we need to. But that brings up a great question for me. Um, and, and, and I think it's a great thing for Porter County because, I mean, you just kind of said it right there. We've got this truck that covers five different counties. Guess where it's located? Right in Porter County. So great area. But can you kind of explain why that is? So there's five counties. How are we connected? What is District 1? How's the funding work? Um, you know, that's, I know, 30 questions right there. But <laughs> That's okay. So the five-county region is Lake, Newton, Jasper, Porter and LaPorte counties, and what we do is we have, over the years, and some of this was way before my time, um, the five counties got together and said, rather than all of us try to get a grant for, say, a command truck that you don't need all the time, uh, mm -hmm. but, you know, may need, you know, just during large-scale emergencies, how about if we apply for a grant that all five counties can use that equipment if needed, and then we'll share it. And that's something that the Department of Homeland Security looks for when, you know, people are applying for grants. So if they don't need their own and it's something that's larger that they can share, it's a better use of resources and money yeah. from the federal government in order to do that. And so the five counties, or what we call District 1, did that. And then they, they applied and got several pieces of equipment like that, uh, light tower, generators, um, we have what we call a rehabilitation trailer, which is a climate control trailer that is both air conditioned and heated that emergency responders can use in extreme temperatures. And the, the goal is if there are not, an example would be a, a fire and it's 100 degrees outside, um, we get the air conditioning going in the trailer, they come out of the fire, we get them in there, cool them down, get some fluids in them and get them back in the fight. So it's kind of like coming to the sidelines of an NFL game, we get them back rested, get them hydrated, and get them back out there so they can do their jobs. So How often can, are you guys using that piece of equipment? I, I didn't know about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that one is a, it's used quite often, but it's intermittently. So it's, uh -huh. it's when it's really hot or really cold, generally, when we will use that. Um, I was surprised, I'm not going to jinx myself, um, during the real cold snap here around Christmas time. We thought we were going to have some call-outs for that because it was just so cold. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, they did not need it. Um, but we stay in contact with the fire chiefs and then the police chiefs as well. Um, and if they have an incident and we see there could be a need, 
I will contact them or even text them if they're really busy on a flyer and just say, hey, are you okay? Do you need anything? Just to make sure, because I know when they're taking care of a large scale incident like that, it's, it's very easy to get really busy and maybe forget um, or bypass something that might help you. Yeah, yeah, something you probably didn't think of when you've got a fire going on and you're responsible for 100 people out there. Yeah, totally. That's really cool, Lance. So anyway, so we, we, we've got these group, um, District 1, and we've got this shared equipment. It's stored in Porter County. It's headed up by you, or is it set up by a division or a board, or who oversees all this stuff? Well, there's a dis- district planning council, which okay. we are a part of. So all five counties' EMAs are on that council. Um, in addition to other entities as well. And so we coordinate through that council how those resources will be used. Um, but Porter County for years has, has been the one that have housed the majority. We probably have 90% of the equipment that's district equipment. And we maintain it. Um, there are all five counties pitch in money every year. And so that money goes to uh, toward the maintenance of that equipment. And some of it, we, we do the work ourselves. Some of it we send out. It just depends on what, what needs to be done. Um, but as you mentioned, Andy, we're really fortunate to be able to have those resources in Porter County because they're close, and if we need to deploy them very quickly, we can be on scene with that equipment much faster than if it was somewhere else. So those are uh, a great benefit. Um, they're, they're, it's equipment that may or may not be used often, um, so it's very important that the maintenance and the cycling of that equipment occurs on a really regular basis because you get called and you need it. It has to work. Um, as and we then, say, yeah. go ahead. No, I, I was just going to build on that. It's something that people probably don't think of, and I wouldn't have thought of till I came to tour the facility. Um, was that, yeah, you might only use this generator once a year, twice a year, maybe not this year, maybe you only use it next year, but you have to check it every month, just like the firemen and their their equipment. You have to stay on top of it to make sure it's in tip-top running order. And so I just wanted to build on to that point because that's such a big part of what you guys do. And if I correct me if I'm wrong, but there's only three of you that are paid there. The rest of you guys are all volunteers. Am I correct? That, that's correct. So we have... so. Commander Eckhart from the hazmat team, he's off doing his hazmat and a lot of environmental investigations and background checks. So he's usually tied up. So that And he's got some great uh, stories about Beverly Shores, too, that, yeah. that Greg and I remember. <laughs> yeah. I'll bet he does. <laughs> so, so that leaves myself, our deputy director, and then our uh, support services coordinator. We're the three full-time paid people for Porter County Emergency Management proper. And then we have, right now, 15 volunteers that we'll utilize in an emergency, we can call them out, or even for planned events like the Porter County Fair, the Popcorn Fest, and other events where we can utilize their assistance. Well, Lance, why don't you talk about that next? Because the, uh, there might be somebody that would be interested in being a volunteer. So, yeah, great idea. What, what would you expect a volunteer to do, and and then, you know, what, what services they, they offer, and then how, how would somebody. Uh, that may want uh, further information. How do they, how do they get more information or even sign up? Sure, the volunteers have to be capable of operating all of the equipment we have. So right now we have twenty six major pieces of equipment in addition to several smaller units. And so there's a training program that will go on, and it will take a volunteer between one and two years 
if they have not already operated some of this equipment in order to become very proficient and learn how to use the equipment. And it's really important because being a volunteer organization, you don't know who's going to come you know, during an emergency. It could be that you know people are working their regular jobs, meaning that they're volunteers. And so every person needs to be able to operate every piece of equipment so that if it's needed, they are capable of operating that equipment. So there's a lot of training uh, that goes on with that. And then again, they'll, they'll assist and attend uh, outreach events. Uh, in addition, where we talk to people about how do you prepare for a tornado or what do you need to have in your evacuation or your um, internal shelter area. And we try to educate the public. And so they're a big part of that too, reaching out because what we try to do is at least teach the citizens that, you know, we may not be able to get to you if it's a very, very large scale incident. So in the meantime, while we're trying to get to you, what can you do to help yourself uh, in order to preserve lives and property? So they, they're learning a lot of these skills um, as they're being trained. Some are, have a background in the fire service, some where we have a retired police officer, um, but many have never done either. And so we... Oh, that's interesting. Did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, so we have to train those people in order to be able to operate that equipment. And that's where having really good procedures uh, is really important because they need to be able to not only operate it, but everybody operate it in a standard way so that we're all doing it the same way and the setup is the same. And that way everybody knows what the other person is going to do ahead of time. So if, if somebody wants to be a Porter County Emergency Management volunteer, they can contact the office um, at 219-465-8654 and just express an interest. And then what we'll generally do is have them send us a resume just with their background so we can see what their skill set is. We'll talk to them, interview them, and then just kind of talk about what, what is expected um, as far as being a Florida County Emergency Management volunteer. If they feel and we feel that it's a good fit, on both sides, then we'll invite them to come to some of our meetings and, and at least see a little more about what it's about. Then Why would somebody like, want to do that, Lance? What um, besides <laughs> giving back to the community? And I, I, I just, I know it didn't sound right when I said it, but, <laughs> but I mean, what, what, what's cool about doing that? I, I mean, do you get to meet good friends? Is it just helping out your community and giving back? Is there um, training that can help them in future careers that's and that's kind of what i meant you get to work with lance that's well there's right that there. <laughs> that's the premier part yeah. so the answers are yes yes and yes so they get a lot of training um and they a lot of i mean i can't think of any of them that don't want or don't have a desire to help the community mm -hmm. and so that that is a big part of it as well and then yes they do they form bonds they're they're not you know they're not firefighters they're not police officers but they're assisting those people and so there's a bond that develops you know, awesome. in intense situations that hey you guys can count on us and we can count on you when you need when you need help and i think that it's really important and and the training helps in that and developing that confidence that when the police or fire or ems calls us they know we're going to be there and they know that we know what we're doing um, and so there's that trust that that's has awesome. to be developed and it takes time um, but so it takes a lot of time to be able to do what these guys do however you know it's not necessarily 
super glamorous. You know, you're doing a lot of the behind the scenes work, but it's really important work because we say the police, fire, and EMS don't call us unless it's a really bad day. And so when they call <laughs> us, they really need it. So it's really important, you know, the things that we're doing because they need us to be able to do their jobs. Um, so I don't know that any, nobody really does it for the acknowledgement. Um, it's that behind the scenes work, but you know, you're helping the community and the citizens. And that's amazing. I, I want to, and I, uh, Greg, I'm sure you would say the same thing. You'll probably say it after me. I mean, thank you from Porter County mm -hmm. to all the Absolutely. volunteers out there. Thank yeah. you guys. Yeah, Absolutely. we're really proud of them. Well, and we're really yeah. lucky to have people like that because, uh, I mean, without that, you, it's just you and, a, and two other guys, it sounds like, that'll be able to yeah. cover the whole five-county area. <laughs> right. And we, and we couldn't do it without the volunteers. There's too much equipment and there's too many things to do. You just physically couldn't do it all. So they're, they're invaluable, and we appreciate them. And I can't say enough about their dedication. I mean, in addition to their, you know, they're going to, they know they're going to probably get very little acknowledgement just because we're behind the scenes. And that's okay with them. And they just want to help. And uh, I just think that says even more about their character. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Right. And, and do you want to give a shout out to your volunteer of the year who won it twice in a row? Is it I Greg will. Sims? No. <laughs> but he was a very close second. Yeah. <laughs> Not. <laughs> so our, our volunteer of the year for 2022 was Angie Valente. Uh, and Angie, oh, as, as you said, won last year. We, we just started that award uh, last year for the previous uh, work year. And she won both years. And uh, she's just phenomenal. She's here, not just putting time in, but always asking what can she do to help the organization and the agency? Mm -hmm. And is not afraid to come in and work in the office, go out in the field. If we have if we have a detail where we have people out being deployed, she's not afraid to get in there and, and help and, and make sure and sometimes run those operations if we need mm -hmm. them. And so they're, they're all amazing, but uh, we, we they vote. Uh, it's a it's a combination vote between the volunteers. The, and the command staff, and those there's a score that that's tabulated separately for those, and then there's some minimum requirements that that the volunteers actually set for themselves on how much time they put in for meetings, training, outreach, helping with equipment and uh, building maintenance, and then if they meet those requirements, there's some added points that goes on. So it's a three tier system that we tabulate those together, and then that that is how we determine the volunteer of the year. Okay. Is going to be that year, and it's, so it's, she does a great job. Um, they all do, but it, she she's won now two years in a row. That's amazing. And, and she gets what a a car and ten thousand dollar check. Yeah, and yeah. and free pizza from Casey's for the year. Wait, Greg's donating one of his twelve cars. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Straight from Lance's mouth. No. <laughs> I thought you were going to make a major announcement. I got really yeah. excited. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, what Angie does is she gets a plaque for her home, um, and she gets her name inscribed on that. And then we have one in in the agency with the um, volunteer of the year on it. And then there are the years listed for the next, actually, 21 years, and we're going to have to get another plaque. <laughs> wow. Uh, so Lance and I should be retired by then. <laughs> Yeah. That's right, that's right. 
Lance will be around, but we won't. Yeah, yeah I'm out. <laughs> I ain't making a 21. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll trust you, Lance, that you'll be doing it for 20 more years. <laughs> that's, that's right. So, yeah, so see, we, we, we engrave whoever one's name on there, and that hangs up in Porter County Emergency <clears throat> Management. Now, how, how old do you have to be to be a volunteer? Is there an age requirement? Yeah, we, we like to have uh, 21 and older. Um, we ha we oh, have okay. taken people almost as cadets, if you will, um, underneath that age. Um, but we, we, we generally have 21 and older. Um, but, again, we have, we have had people uh, that were going through the fire academy and different things that wanted to come and help. And then we will allow them to help in a limited capacity. And then as they become of age, we can move them up to be full-fledged members. With the okay. um, bigger equipment that you have, do you do you need a CDL to drive some of those things, or is it all regular driving? That that's a great question that we get a lot. So um, you do not need one because it's an emergency vehicle. So oh shoot! Because, <laughs> yeah, because of that, you do not have to have a, a CDL. That even Wait, sounds so, more dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so you mean the the guys that drive the fire trucks and those big rigs, they don't need a CDL? Don't necessarily know. Mm -hmm. I had no they idea. Receive, wow. They receive an enormous amount of training. Right. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I wasn't thinking that they weren't unqualified, but it's just one of those interesting things you just never think about. Well, uh, you, you would think the county or somebody would get them CDL certified. Now they've got another revenue stream, right? 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 Because CDLs are, aren't uh, cheap. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should make maybe we make all our other vehicles emergency vehicles, and then you know, not worry about a CDL. <laughs> So now Lance, you're really to get me in trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you guys are located out there um, on Route Two near the Stones by uh, JDC and the Highway Department, correct? The right. Stones. 19, well, yeah, the Stones. I'll tell you about the Stones. <laughs> oh, 1995 no. South State Road Two. So we're right across the street from the Essex Park subdivision. Okay, okay. Well, the Stones is, is whenever we drive past um, a cemetery, my five-year-old and my nine-year-old always yell, Dad, Stones! And they got to hold their breath because they don't want to inhale the bad s spirits. That's That's been them the whole time. Well, we were driving by the other day, and I was like, oh, there's the juvenile detention center. And my son goes, oh my gosh, they're across from the Stones. <laughs> I was like, yeah, don't ever get in trouble because you can't, you can't breathe while you're in there. <laughs> That's oh, the stones, God. anyway. So okay, I was wondering where that was going. <laughs> yeah, because I, I know it's right down the street from the uh, that nursery there. Is it Reed's? Yeah, Reed's nursery. Reed. I thought that's the stones you're talking about. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's a guy. No, I'm talking the cemetery. Mine okay. was darker. <laughs> oh my, <God. laughs> oh, my So gosh. you guys are over there. You got a real nice building. Um, mm -hmm. and I know that you guys were fundraising or about to do some fundraising for a new sign. Is that? Is that done? Is that something that you're still working on? Is that something you want to bring up now to kind of advertise sure. some? Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, we, we did a uh, fundraiser right before Thanksgiving and raised some money um, towards that sign. The sign's going to be $5,000 uh, in order to put a new sign up. And so what we're trying to do is raise funds so that we don't have to take it out of the county funds in order to do so. So we, we're about a quarter of the way there. And oh, great. So we're, we're We'll be looking to do additional fundraisers and, and with with the goal of hopefully uh, having the sign installed by spring. And then another really exciting thing is we're going to be in, installing a flagpole uh, with a brick tribute there, much like the MAC Training Center has, where it will be all 
uh, pavers, and you'll have two flagpoles. That's awesome. And then what eventually will happen is the names of emergency responders will be engraved into those bricks and then be there forever uh, as a tribute to them uh, at our flagpole. So we're going to have the new sign and then the bricks um, for the flagpole. And the McMillan Family Foundation has donated the bricks and the major building materials as well as the flagpoles for that. So we're looking to do that in the spring and install that, and uh, we're really excited about it. Oh, wow. So with all that stuff, really, the only thing you're fundraising for is for the new sign. Everything else has is, is been donated? Yes, exactly. The, that's, awesome. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Our uh, EMA volunteers are going to work with other volunteers in order to actually install the pavers uh, so that we are not paying you know, for labor outside of the building materials. And then we worked with the Girl Scouts of America, and they... In or, they have the equivalent of what would be an Eagle Scout for the Girl Scouts. And in oh. order to obtain that level, they have to turn in a project that helps the community. And so we partnered with them, and um, one of the Girl Scouts uh, came up with the idea for the flagpole. She designed every the, way, the entire layout of the area uh, and turned that in as a project. And then she's going to be helping oversee when we do the installation and that will help her earn her uh, new new level in the Girl Scouts while at the same time helping the community and it needed to be a project that was going to remain and be here not something that would just go away so I know they're excited about it and, and so so are we yeah that's super exciting I didn't yeah, realize really they cool. had an equivalent of the Eagle Scouts that's that's interesting yeah. uh, and, Greg, and the, the, oh, I'm the yeah. Girl Scout that designed that Andy was Olivia Lozano, uh, so just so we can put a shout awesome. out to her. Please, great yes. And and speaking of shout outs, this is Indy. Well, <laughs> we're in Indiana, of course. <laughs> Valparaiso. Uh, but uh, no, this is uh, Porter County Buzz, 103.1 FM, WVLP. And uh, oh, and, and we haven't done this for a while. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can email us at PCBuzz, B U Z Z 103, at yahoo.com. So if you have any guests you'd like uh, us to, to ponder getting on here or any topics you would like discussed, let us know, and we'll be happy to address those things. And uh, But I'm one of your co-hosts, Greg Sims. The other co-host is Andy Bozek, and uh, we are listening to and getting some cool stories uh, from Lance Bella, our uh, director of the Emergency Management Agency in Porter County. And, uh, yeah, so... We were just uh, talking about the uh, the flagpole and the other things that'll be coming what the spring of of this year. Yeah, twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. So uh, Lance, if uh, I'm sorry, Garg, did you have something? No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask because something that I always thought was really cool about your department. Um, is that the Popcorn Fest and the fair? Like, I've seen your guys' truck, and it's got all these cool antennas coming out. You've got all these people in and out of it. Um, I've seen the TVs on the inside. I've kind of peeked through the door. And I also know that you guys are coordinating with other law enforcements at that time. Um, I don't know how detailed you can get into your security measures, but I know there's people in different spots. And, and, and so can you kind of talk about what you guys do for these festivals and how you guys are protecting us and making sure that uh, we're protected, I guess? Yeah, sure. So we there's different pieces of equipment uh, depending on what event it is. But you, you had mentioned in the command 
vehicles. So if we wanted to run a, a large-scale operation, say like the Popcorn Fest or the um, Porter County Fairs examples, we can set up our command truck and we have communications and a lot of other different capabilities within that truck. And generally what we'll do is have, we'll have our personnel inside. We will have police, a representative from the police department, fire department, uh, maybe our EMS or emergency medical services in there. And then anybody else that may be pertinent to that festival or event. And then we will have a joint, what we call a joint command in there where we will operate in tandem in order to make sure that, that we're all doing our jobs and making sure everybody has what they need. So if, with this all being together, if EMA's in there and we hear that fire is having difficulty in this area, we might be able to help arrange some resources in order to help them, or maybe the police department has to help them, or back and forth. So we, we generally try to work together uh, in order to make sure that everybody has what they need. Um, so we do that for a lot of different festivals, the Popcorn Fest, as you mentioned, the Porter County Fair. Uh, we have a large presence there during the concert series, and we're watching several things uh, in addition to the, also the weather, um, as you remember. Oh, goodness, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, we had a. I thought that was Sims as the head uh, butler, not the head butler, uh, but the butler? head doorman. Wow. What, what are you? You were something of a head usher. There you are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but no, well, I didn't realize. Yeah. So, Greg, in in this, what kind of interactions did you have with EMA, or was that not an usher thing? That was more higher level. Uh, no, actually, we didn't have EMA. We had the sheriffs with us. So the sheriffs were getting the information from the EMA oh, and then, okay. then disseminating to us. Because we, yeah, out, out in the crowd area, we've got a couple uh, deputies. And even the um, the, the volunteer fire uh, people, um, Washington Township, I know Couts, and those guys do uh, do the volunteering for the, um, in case somebody, you know, paramedic kind of stuff. So we get our information from those guys and uh, and then the sheriff's department. So yeah, and that's all filtering through Lance and his team, I assume too. Right. Yeah, we, we'll we'll help facilitate the communications. We're not necessarily doing it for them, but as we're in there and we're hearing different things, we can help lend a hand in different areas. Are you dispatching? Are you able to dispatch from that uh, mobile unit? If say nine one one was getting overwhelmed with calls and you're at the event, could you handle some of the dispatching from there or is that not the reason for the van or the truck? No, we, I mean, we wouldn't just take over that. That would have to be something that's planned. But there have been uh, times throughout the district where a dispatch center has had to go down due to maintenance. And oh. we were able to supplement that with the command vehicle. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So are you guys? Um, so you guys are planning the the events now. So are you already working with the fair to how you're going to keep security or keep it secure, or how how does that work, or is that just kind of the day of you set up and then you guys start working together? No, actually, we we will be having a meeting probably within the next month, just preparing for the fair. There's meetings that are just constantly going on, but as far as police, fire, EMS. Um, we will be having meetings and we have an ongoing plan an emergency plan for the fair that every year we just try to make it better and we look at after every fair we get together and talk about what went well what are things that maybe we can improve upon and we have all the different entities present uh, including 911 
and we'll make notes and then try to put things in place to just make things you know better each year um and to run more smooth so we we're, we're already looking at what we need to do for next year we don't do that for every event it just depends on you know who is holding the event and, and if they ask for that assistance but the porter county fair is one that we're involved pretty uh intimately each year with and the uh fair board and the fair manager does a great job of, of listening to what our needs are and, and, and really helping us uh, making our job easier so because they want the fair to be safe for all the citizens that are coming and so they're very responsive and and, and really anything that we need uh, they look to address it so do you guys have a booth there like the sheriff has a booth and it's used to you know educate people about what the sheriff does and also hopefully attract new recruits um, do you guys have something like that or are you guys don't have enough staff to handle a booth we've had uh, one in the past and what we try to do is rotate having booths to different uh, types of events so that we're not oh. always at the same event what we don't want is people to say well i already saw them um so we will go to different events and some of that's limited by how many people we have available uh but then we also try to change the message every time you see a booth we're not necessarily talking about tornadoes the next time we may oh, be talking yeah. about something else and so we try to rotate the topic so that it you know, it's not something that I've been there. I've already heard what they have to say. What we want is them to say, I want to go find out what EMA is talking about this year. And what mm -hmm. are they talking about? Because I could, I could learn something. Um, and then we try to do some giveaway things and, and just have some fun while they're there, too. Um, we're at the MAC event every year. The MAC Training Center holds a emergency responder appreciation and demonstration day. And we've been involved with that since they've had that event. Um, and I'm on the planning committee. So we do have a really large presence there, and that's just a great event also for the public and emergency responders both. Well, and I think that, you know, obviously everyone knows what the police does, what the fire department does. I think that you guys, uh, EMS, they all know what they do, but I think EMA, it's kind of like, well, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what they do. So, you know, it's educating the public i think is a great thing i think what we need is uh you know we have chicago fire we have chicago police maybe we need chicago hazmat or chicago <laughs> something to educate people what an emda department is and what it does because honestly i i didn't really have a great understanding until i was involved in the county you know five six years ago no and i agree with you i think any kind of exposure like that would be really well received and, and again, most people think we just plan for tornadoes, and then mm -hmm, between mm -hmm. what do we do? And there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, during the winter storms, we were very busy. Um, but I, I agree with you, and that's why we're always out there trying to talk to people. And one of the things that we want to do, and hopefully we can do it this year, we had, there was a lot of roads that had closed down last year because of construction, um, so we, we kind of put it on hold. But we want to have an EMA open house and have a couple oh, separate cool. ones. One for emergency responders where they can get in the equipment and, and really learn the capabilities so that they understand how we can better help them. And then also for the public to, to educate them on what are the, some of the things that EMA maybe has available. And then again, where they see us, then we want them to want to come over and talk to us because we're always excited to talk to them about some of the things that we're doing or some of the things that maybe they could learn in order to make their lives safer. All right, but you got to invite Greg and I to the one where the um, emergency professionals are there because we want to try the equipment, too. I mean, Jaws of Life <laughs> is calling my name. <laughs> oh, my Absolutely. God. I'm, Greg, I included you. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so Lance, oh, okay. how much um, with with? So I don't know if you know what Greg's been working on with the stop the bleed. Um, is as is all of EMA already trained with stop the bleed? Is that just a basic thing, or is this something you guys are doing as well, or is it something that maybe you and Greg could coordinate to get our EMA people trained on this, or they're already trained? Yeah, I don't no, that's a great question. And when we put our training matrix together in the last few years, that is a basic class that all EMA volunteers oh, are required to have. And we happen to have two of our EMA volunteers who are stop the bleed instructors. And so they not only can teach our personnel, but we can teach the public and or emergency responders in order to do that or Porter County government employees. Yeah, and I think that's, Greg, I won't speak for you, but I know that's one of your goals is to get the county more right. trained, correct? Yeah, yeah. we've got a, we've got a training coming up uh, March 8th uh, at uh, 102A the County Building. So if there's any listeners out there that want to get trained in uh, Stop the Bleed, it's about a 45-minute to an hour class. And it's all free, by the way. We, we don't charge anything. And if anyone wants a Stop the Bleed kit, which is, you know, has the tourniquet in there, the gauze, the gloves, uh, oh, a marker. I'm trying to think what else. A blanket, you had Narcan uh, in there, didn't you? I do Wasn't have there, Narcan in there, Narcan yeah. Narcan in there, too? Yeah. And, um, I was just thinking of things that were in there. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. That's, yeah, they're, and the kits are $15. So, you know, we don't make any money on those. They're, they're all about uh, getting them out in the community. And, well, we figure, too, if you learn how to do Stop the Bleed, you might as well have a kit to, to be able to do it. Um, you know, and I'm sure Lance knows. You know, there's 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 techniques you can use if you don't have something you can you can do. But it's always nice if you do have a kit available to to help out a little bit. So, yeah. I do you guys? I mean, do you guys have a kit too, uh, Lance? With yours, I, I I wasn't familiar with that. No, we do. Um, we've got them in our building, and then in our uh, three different both myself, the deputy director, and then our other response squad we do have kits in all three of those uh knowing that we could at any time uh be called upon uh where there's casualties and that's way we're at least ready oh but i mean when you train people do you is there a kit offered for them we we do not we we do oh, the training okay. um and generally when when somebody will ask us to come in and do the training the people who are asking generally we've done it for organizations then they'll mm -hmm. generally buy those kits Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, but there will be them available. So if yeah, if at any point in time we need to, you know, we we can always uh, coordinate that. If you if you know some people that need a small kit, you know, for fifteen dollars, it's a great deal. Uh, you know, let us know and we'll we can we can help you out with those too. So. Um, I think they yeah. got the Porter County Suicide Prevention logo. Didn't you do that, Greg? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool through. little kits. Yeah. Yeah. The the reason why we 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 kind of coordinated with the suicide prevention task force is unfortunately there's some times where some people uh, try to kill themselves with sharp objects and bleeding out and so if somebody comes upon that they can use their training from stop the bleed to do that as well as the that's why the narcans in there if somebody is uh, overdosed on something uh, that kit will will depending on what they took to overdose on that kit could actually save their life the the narcan so that's why we put that in there as well. Um, anything we can do to try and help somebody out uh, yeah, save a is, life. is what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think that's great. So, Lance, um, 
what was I going to say? Oh, one of the other things that I know you guys have done, and, and I want you to kind of talk about it because I was really impressed. Um, didn't you have a volunteer that built you guys a video wall? Can you tell us a little bit about how cool that is? <laughs> yeah, we, we actually, it was really free. Um, we, we decided that we, we needed to upgrade our emergency operations center, and we had held some exercises and some trainings and did some needs assessments of what we wanted to see so that we could function better to help the community. And, and what came out of that was a large TV. Oh, TV, yes. I'm teasing. <laughs> well, we had decided that we wanted to uh, eventually build a video wall and then also uh, put an upgraded phone system in with wireless headsets um, so that we could communicate uh, while we're doing operations in there. And there just wasn't, uh, we didn't have the capacity and we needed to put a lot of different types of information up uh, at one time. And so we uh, had worked with and developed a relationship ship with Enbridge Pipeline Company, and they gave us a donation uh, of $7,500 at the time, and I went to some of our volunteers who were, we, they had some very technical skills, and said, you know, we want to build this video wall, and here's the capabilities, and by the way, this is the only money we have to build it, <laughs> and, um, th you know, and they didn't throw me out of there, uh, which I appreciated. <laughs> And they uh, said, let us sit and think about it. And they came back about a week later, and they had designed uh, this video wall system for that amount of money and figured out on their own how to be able to run this wall with smart TVs instead of cool. you know, maybe some of the more expensive ones that you would need and run it off a single computer system. Um, and so two, our two volunteers designed the wall um, and then figured out how to make the computer make it work, wrote all the computer code, uh, in order to make it work, and then also wrote code so that we could control it from a, a digital tablet. That's uh, cool. Another, yeah, absolutely. And another one of our volunteers uh, built the wall. So we, they, we had to build the physical wall, and uh, he did that, and then they all worked together in order to finish the wall off. And uh, I think it came out great, um, and we, we have a lot of capability. Um, in fact, we just used that during the winter storm, and we were able to put lots of different bits of information up there on the wall so we could see what's the overall status of the county in order to determine that and see who needed help. So uh, I can't say enough about them. Um, that, that that wall would have cost 10 times the amount uh, that that it did. Oh, um, easily, yeah. had to have somebody built it, and they just figured out how to do it on their own. And, again, it's just one of those things that they do that probably nobody really knows about, uh, but they're, they're behind the scenes. Uh, making that happen. Um, that well, you tell him Andy Bozak knew about it and talked about it and still thinks about this wall. Because people are, you're thinking, oh, what's a video wall? No, it's literally a wall of video, and it is exactly what you think it is. If you've seen a TV show and you thought, that was a cool dispatch center. Yeah, that's what we got at EMA. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, so a big shout out to uh, Joe Krajasek, Matt Melton, and Mike Steffel. A lot of people pitched in and helped them, mm -hmm. uh, but Joe and Matt designed the wall and wrote all the code. Mike Steffel helped build it, and then they all worked together then to finish it off. And they just did a did a great, great job. So. Yeah, and it's obviously user friendly because you're able to you know throw things up during this winter storm, which is a big deal. Sure, that's cool. Thank you yeah. guys. I just I wanted to bring that up. Um, one of the other th cool things that I I 
think people don't realize EMA does, um, is you guys also take care of our emergency broad, not emergency broadcast system. Is that what it's called? The, the, the horns, the sirens that go off when tornadoes are coming. What do you call this system? We have 52 warning sirens. Um, so primarily they'd be used for tornadoes. They can be used for other means if needed. Uh, but we not only, uh, have those throughout the county, but we do a great majority of the work on those. So our volunteers will assist in working on those systems, which are very complicated and high tech. Um, and they integrate with the computer system in order to be able to monitor those. Um, and they've done a great great work a great amount of work in order to not only make sure they stay functioning but improving the design of those so that they're more reliable so our, our volunteers work on it and then we work with a private contractor also because there's some larger scale repairs that would require cranes and and tying things directly into maybe a nipsco feed where we need a licensed and bonded electrical company to do that and so we partner with them also to make sure that everybody together um, that we're keeping these uh, sirens working. And uh, we like to sit in the green because when they're working and functioning uh, on our map, they turn green. And so we like to <laughs> every single morning that they're green. And we, we talk about that in our morning briefings, what's the status of the sirens. And it's a big deal if one is not working completely uh, 100%. And so we try to uh, get on that immediately uh, so that it gets turned around and back up. And there is a website, so if one's not working or someone feels it's not functioning properly, isn't there a website they can go to to initiate the investigation into a siren? Well, in, 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 date, in years past, before everything was computerized, people had to call in or report. Um, oh, okay. and we will have people call, and we always appreciate them calling in if something's not working right, but we are able to monitor from the computer system and oh, okay. get a computer printout um, of you know, what was the status? Did it work? If there was any type of a failure, what was it? Was it a communications failure? Was it a power failure? Um, but yeah, we, we would encourage anybody if they're not sure if something was working to call and we, ne we never discourage that because it's just another check to make sure that we're doing things uh, and servicing the community. Now, is the purpose of the siren, and I've heard different things, that's why I'm asking it this way, um, is the purpose of the siren so that everybody can hear it at any point that they're at in Porter County, or is it more so when you're outside? Because I've had people complain, well, I can't hear it if I'm in my, my house. And it's like, well, I don't know that the siren is used for notifying you in your house as much as it is for notifying you if you're outside, because if you're in your house, you got your TV, your radio, and your phone. I, or am I, is that really what it's for? They should be able to hear it in their house. No, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because it's a great topic. The sirens weren't necessarily designed so in your house you can 100% of the time hear them. The, obviously, we're hoping that you can, but it depends on positioning, what structures may be in the way that hinder that sound as well as maybe the, the amount of, you know, noise or volume that's going on inside your house. So, Oh, yeah. I got four kids. It's not quiet. <laughs> yeah, I understand. And, uh, you know, what we say is it's part of an overall system. So that system can be those weather sirens, your phone systems, which have all kinds of apps now to warn you if something's uh, impending, using the TV, using the Internet. So I, what I like to tell people, there's not one system that's going to do it all for you. It's a collection of different warnings and systems that when you work together will get you that, the proper warning that you need. So that is just a single tool out of the many 
that you know can be used to make sure people are aware of some things coming their way. Who controls those sirens? Who hits the buttons and says, all right, tornado's coming? Is that the National Weather Service, or do they communicate to you and you're pressing a button? So it, it's a, a three-tiered possible system. So they can be tripped manually by either EMA or uh, the 911 center. Oh, or okay. The computer system from the National Weather Service, they, they don't sit there and push a button to trip them. But if there is a uh, tornado watcher warning, or they're tracking a tornado on radar, the computer system determines the possible path that that may take. And that's generally projected in a what they call a cone. And then that computer system can automatically make the, fire, the uh, siren sound uh, all at once. Or, you know, we've gotten calls, well, we heard that there was a tornado, uh, a possible tornado coming through, and all the sirens didn't go off. And generally, that's because the National Weather Service's computer says, here's the path or the potential path of that tornado, and it may only set off certain sirens so that oh, it doesn't wow. become a nuisance alarm where people just don't pay attention to it anymore. Oh, I and thought that, it was an all or nothing. That's cool. No. I didn't know Porter County could control individual sirens. Yeah, so it can go off in zones. And like I said, we can manually do that and or the National Weather Service's computer system do that. But And it's a very wide path. I mean, they don't figure out a very, very narrow path because they know a tornado could veer in different directions. So that's why they may say this is the epicenter where we think the problem is and it draws a cone going outward from that. And that's warning area that they're going to, you know, try to sound an alarm for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, do they, um, it, it, like, when you see uh, silver alerts and stuff like that, I, obviously it doesn't go over the um, the sirens, but that does go through our phones. Are you guys able to control phone notifications, too? So when you, say you decided to push this button because something was going on, maybe it's an air raid siren at this point, because you said earlier it could be used for different things. Can you also, as the EMA, alert our phones, or is that a whole different person? Well, that would be a different person. We can request that that be done, and that's generally okay. done for our 911 center. And so, oh, a, it's through 911. Oh, I didn't exactly. know. <laughs> so, a, a really good example of that, and we have there's a there's a database that the county um, uses in order to be able to make that happen. But if we were say on a search and rescue or the Porter County Search and Rescue team, which does another great job, um, they were out, and that's uh, a group that will search for. It could be a lost child. It could be uh, uh, maybe an elderly person or somebody that maybe be physically or mentally challenged that may be lost and in trouble, uh, they'll be out looking for them. So there's been times where, you know, they have an area that they're looking, you know, for that person in, and they want the community to maybe check their backyards and look in the immediate area to see if they see this person. So they can do what's called a reverse 911 call out, and they can oh. say in this. And, and that's the same for an Alzheimer's uh, person too, like or someone with dementia, that, that that team would go out and look for them as well. We might have lost Lance because he was kind of Uh-oh. in the middle of talking and then stopped. <laughs> <laughs> so gun. I'm going to pause the recording for a moment. Okay. Go. Okay. Lance, uh, the question would be uh, if somebody has Alzheimer's or uh, dementia and they wander off, does that search and rescue team get uh, put in on that as well? They've done a lot of search and rescues for cases just like that. And it's really up to 
the uh, department that was initiated by emergency uh, call out whether they want that team and so generally if it's police or fire they get on scene and they say hey this is something we need the team for they'll put a request into the 911 center and then they will dispatch and page out the uh, search and Re- Fort county search and rescue team which is comprised of volunteers as well um, and they do a great job and that, that and that team's made up of several you know p- police officers firefighters and from different of uh, all different types uh, of other uh, walks of life um, and they do a lot of training and uh, they but they get a call out and then they will be out looking for those people as well and they've done quite a few of those uh, not only in Porter County but that team is very well known and it's called out through the entire five county region and beyond that at times in order to uh, help look for people hmm. that's good okay yeah so, so it's what it- to- their oh, commanders are Chief Jay Craig and uh, Micah Bell are the leaders of the Porter County Search and Rescue Team. And I think Chief, uh, uh, oh no, I'm thinking of Chief Branham. I, th- I was going to say, he just got promoted to something, but I think that's the FIST team, the Fire Investigation yes. Team. Yes. Ed. So, sorry to confuse things. <laughs> no, that's okay. Chief Craig is also the Chief of the uh, Porter Fire Department, and he's one of the commanders of that team, as well as uh, Micah Bell, who is a... Uh, firefighter for the National Lakeshore, and then he's also a Porter County EMA volunteer as well as the commander of that team. Well, that's something I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, you've got the National... Man, we've got a lot of first responders up here in different organizations and teams mm-hmm. and everything else looking out for us. We, we're really blessed up here. I hope we I don't need them. Yeah, hopefully you never need them. That team does hope a I great don't. job. And then they, they'll do... You know, Commander Bell did uh, training... Again, for the Porter County EMA volunteers, we did uh, many sessions so that if they were to call us and ask uh, our regular volunteers for help, we understand what they're looking for. And that way, when we get on scene, they ask for something we understand and we can help them uh, in any way that you know they may need us. Well, and I know you guys not only help out the first responders, but you also work with the area hospitals and, and coordinate with them for when they need help and, and whatnot. Um, so what, what kind of coordinate, what other departments or things, or not departments or things, but different, what, what other places in Porter County that you guys are involved in that our listeners would be surprised or that normal people wouldn't know EMA is involved in this? Do you have anything or do we kind of all cover it all? No, I mean, we've, we've helped the hospitals out before. If, if there was some type of an event going on where they needed some additional resources, um, we had had not too long ago a major uh, water main break from a vehicular accident that was not at the hospital but down the road, and the water department was going to have to shut all the water down in order to uh, facilitate um, those repairs, um, and we helped figure out what, what we did was we got emergency responders, EMA personnel together as well as the water department and the hospital in order to figure out how do we maintain water so that the hospital could function and do the things that they needed to do while this water main was being repaired. Um, so That's crazy because you not only have to figure out the coordination of that, the logistics of that, but then you also have to find a plumber that can hook this hose to this yep. hose. Absolutely. <laughs> and one of the things that we talk about is making sure that you know not only what people do as far as emergency responders, but on their regular job. Ah. Um, so Chief Mark Warno, uh, the fire chief. He's a busy man. That guy's everywhere. He's (laughs) an industrial plumber. And so he was one of the first people I called and uh, said, I need help. 
and uh, he got it wasn't his necessarily his jurisdiction, but he responded out as well as the Liberty, Liberty Township Fire Chief, whose jurisdiction it was, and we all got together and uh, formulated a plan, and uh, it was a success. But it was not it was me working with them, but you know we we are not the ones who always come up with the answer. But it's getting people in place that have the expertise that can help us find the answers. And, uh, well, it seems like you're kind of a coordinator for communication throughout the county and taking these different organizations that have multiple different heads and bringing people together to the t- at the table. That's kind of what I've gathered throughout this whole conversation. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Coordinator for communications and resources, any type mm-hmm. of resources. And if we don't have it, we have to figure out through, through the people that we work with, uh, how do we get that? And a lot of that's just building relationships when things are not going wrong um the first time that people should meet ema is not in the middle of an injury you know an incident <laughs> scene we, we try to develop those relationships ahead of time so that we that way we do know who to call and how we can help each other so it's a lot of behind the scenes meeting people talking about what we can do to help each other and team building that go on way ahead of an incident um if you wait to the incident it's too late well, and you have to be prepared because I, I, I know that I mentioned earlier that I've seen your facility, but when you walk in there, um, you guys have extra band-aids, extra food, extra water. Um, you're, you guys are prepared for an emergency that's going to, um, granted, probably not the worst emergency, but you're, you're prepared for most emergencies that will, will come across. And that includes blankets for, you know, if there's a bit major accident and people are on the side of the road somewhere. I mean, I was really impressed with how much thought goes into it. I guess that's what you're there for, so good for you for doing your job, but I was impressed with it. (laughs) No, I really appreciate it. Yeah, as you said, you know, blankets, pillows, cots um, during during the winter storm. We worked with uh, one of the local churches in order to uh, have a shelter set up um, so that people had somewhere to go if they needed to be. And then uh, EMA provided uh, extra cots and blankets and pillows uh, in case they would, would would need that, and then we had some additional uh, logistical supplies that were stored on our trailer or one of our trailers, so that we could quickly get the more out if we needed to. If one of the agencies or uh, even one of the hospitals or somebody called and said they needed some of this equipment or, or supplies, we could quickly get that out the door uh, and get that to them. So again, it's working with partners in the community, the local church. Um, they had no obligation to help. But uh, they, they stepped up and uh, said we'd be ha- happy to help. And they ended up uh, housing five people for three days throughout oh, wow. that um, winter storm that maybe had nowhere to go, maybe would have been out in the cold, yeah. and uh, kept them warm, gave them a place to sleep, and fed them for three days. Well, and I think we said it for all our guests, and just so you guys know, we're down to the last minute and a half. We could have a million things to talk about with Lance. I mean, we didn't even cover anything that you guys did during COVID, which I know you took a lot of steps and were heavily involved in. We don't have time to talk about it today, so hopefully we'll have you back one day. We're down to the last minute. So, Greg, Lance, thank you, guys. (laughs) No problem. And and this has been – oh, you're welcome. And we'll have to – yeah, we'll definitely have to have you on again. Um, And this is WVLP 103.1 FM, Porter County Buzz. One of your hosts, Greg Sims, the other host, uh, co-host, Andy Bozek, and we were sponsored by the Independent Order of Vaudevillos, Chequick Lodge number 56 in Valparaiso, Indiana. So, Thank you guys yeah. for listening. Have a great day. Thank you, Thanks a lot. Lance. See you next week.